0: matters ain't a simple pattern we need to have a central chatter food for thought grab a platter my mental ain't for rental i'm a central man it's simple i'm a ripple in the rip though i don't want to sick my ship so gotta know your mental black life is hard i don't resent though feelings really real we should
1: present those talk about it you should know your mental matters your mental matters mental matters
2: yeah
1: what up though what up though <laughs> What up everybody? Welcome to the Mental Matters Podcast. Episode 41. Forty one. Whoo shit. Okay. So um how you doing, bro? Getting better. Getting better. I'm getting better. I gotta check in with you first because this has been Yeah. Dog, January can officially kiss my ass. <laughs> I can say that wholeheartedly because my God. Mm-hmm. Um by the time you hear this, let's start this right. So, happy Black History Month to everybody out there. Um, it is the month that they picked for us, but it's all good because we got this 30, 365. So. <clears throat> and with that being said, I would go into that whole famous 41 jersey numbers, blah, blah, blah. But <clears throat> I feel like something more is appropriate right now. Yeah. Um. But before I get into all that. I want to welcome one of my favorite people that legit like keep me mentally stable, um, who I refer to as my mental health coach in real life that has never actually like shook hands with me, but it's always in FaceTime distance, the homie, also known as Nurse Rose Arlene. What up, though?
0: What
1: up? What up? No, I I need a what up, though.
0: What up, though? There we go. All
1: right, cool. (laughs) All the way from actually California. But now, are you in Georgia right now?
0: I am in Georgia right
1: now. Okay, cool. Yes. You out here just but everywhere. L.A., born and raised. L.A., all right, what up, though, L.A., man? <laughs> so, tell the people about yourself and what you do.
0: Okay, well, I'm amazing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, this is
1: true, but...
0: <laughs> no. Um I, um... I'm a nurse practitioner, a mental health nurse practitioner, and I'm on a journey on my own self of self-love, a self-love journey. And um, that's how I actually became a nurse practitioner um, in in learning and practicing self-love. So um, I I, I started as a critical care registered nurse. And um, in the process of living, um, mental health came up as a, a prevalent issue in my family in my life and it it um propelled me into the direction of psychiatry and so since 2013 about I my, my background um, ch- um changed from critical care and primary care into mental health and so that's uh that's just who I am
1: cool yeah so if people wanted to hit you up and be like yo listen I need your energy in my life how can they reach out to you
0: Okay, well, I'm accessible on all uh, traditional media platforms, mostly. Um, Well, I don't do Snapchat. (laughs) Me
1: neither, (laughs) it's trash, but anyway. (laughs)
0: Other than that, uh, Nurse Rose, and um, I'm on, um, my full name is Arlene uh, Taylor Rose, Arlene Aretha Taylor Rose, and um, licensed as a uh, board-certified Psychiatric Mental Health Nurse Practitioner in um, Oregon, California, Georgia. So you can Google me. Um, I'm also on Psychology Today, LinkedIn, you know, the the business ones. But um, Facebook, Instagram, Arlene Rose. um,
1: I'm there. I'm around. My dog. See, she is major. We felt as if it was time to get, like, an actual mental health advocate in here that can, like professionally tell us how to get our lives together. But also just be relatable because I think that no one understands the struggles of a black man more than a black woman, especially a black (laughs) woman in mental health. So we appreciate you for joining us on this episode.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here.
1: Thank you. Long time coming, man. So let me tell you a little bit about this young lady. So she has been down for us since like day one, literally. Like... All on the social medias and all that stuff. And at first I was like, who is this person? Like they like they really down for us. Like, who is this? And like I think you was like maybe the first person to buy our merchandise, like for real. Really? Yeah, you was the first one with what's the uh, with That's the gray tea. Up? Like
0: I still have that actually. Yes. I cut it cut it halfway though. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a <list> right
1: now. <laughs> It's all good. Yeah. I mean, that you have literally helped us expand our reach, so we love you and appreciate Thank you. Just we want to just get that on the forefront. So, big okay, up the Nurse rolls. You
0: know, I, I do like to support the the brands that I feel strongly about. So, no yeah. That's what's up? Cool. I didn't know that. Thank you for telling
1: me. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> oh man. So, typically what we do at the beginning of episodes is talk about cuz it's Men always talk about sports.
2: Um, And Mm -hmm. I feel
1: like there was no more befitting way to start the 41 off. On more of a somber note, so for those of you that have been under a rock or avoiding social media, this is a trigger alert because this has personally triggered me from the time I found out about it. Um, On January 26, 2020, the world basically lost – Not only seven people, family members, things of that nature, but our basically childhood hero, Mr. Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely struck home. He was 41 years old. So we tribute our number 41 to the GOAT, the legend, the only person that I would allow to destroy my home team and be okay with it, (laughs) Um, Mr. Kobe Bryant himself. Man, we love you. Um, Your daughter, Gianna, Gigi. May you guys rest in peace. Rest in and peace. This whole episode is dedicated to you and the big energy that you all brought to black people across the globe. I can only speak for those lives, mm-hmm. but primarily for our black men that I think really, really bonded and became stronger as a group because of his presence. Not his just presence. on and off the court, but off the court as well. So um you're from LA. So mm-hmm. I mean for you, how does this whole thing how did it impact you?
0: Well, the moment that i I got an alert on my phone that um potentially Kobe had passed away or was seriously injured in a helicopter crash, I was speechless, yeah, honestly, like my heart stopped, yeah, yeah. um, you know, I loved Kobe. For as long as I could remember, like for as long as I could remember, yeah. One and so,
1: shout out to the unofficial guest in the background. Uh, we love you too, though. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead, and,
0: and so, for as long as I could remember, so I mean, Kobe's like, maybe he was. Like four years older than me, five years older than me. So, um, you know, like I grew up with Kobe, mm. right? I I grew up looking up to Kobe, and I've always loved basketball. I played basketball, um, even snuck to play basketball behind my mom's back in you high school. Snuck to I, play
1: basketball <laughs> behind your mom's mm-hmm. back.
0: Yes, so oh, I grew boy. up as a Seventh Adventist. My mom was mega strict. You don't compete in our house. This competition is not something that I was taught.
1: Interesting. Um, and you like mm-hmm. Kobe of all people?
0: I love Kobe.
1: <laughs> Let's just get love, that out of the way.
0: Love exactly. I love Kobe. So you know, like when I would I would go and put on my my I would wear Jordans, but I would like have the Kobe mentality. You know, from early on, early on I could remember, and like when the Lakers would win, I would try to find my way to the parades. Oh man. I would yes, I mean like I've loved Kobe forever. Like man. forever. I mean, even like I you know, there was a um a, a day that Kobe um came out to to the Nokia Theater um when I used to work at C- I worked at Cedars and he came out um just talking candidly and I was like I had to work the, la- the that same night. I, I didn't even care. Like I couldn't see like Kobe sitting right there in front of me. I love Kobe. Like mm. I li- I still love Kobe. I still love Kobe. So I've always loved him, even though I've never met him in person, right. like, you know, I- but I've always loved him. And so, um, this one hit.
1: Yeah. It, it hit. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely attest to that. <clears> throat> um, <throat> Jarrell, I mean, you are one of the most avid sports fans I know. <laughs> so I know this probably hit different for you too. Yeah. Uh,
2: like, my sister text our family group, and uh, she was just like, you know, this is on the news. And I was like, all right, let me put it on the news, see if it's for real. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> after, like, watching CNN for, like, five minutes, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this today. Nope. But then it's like I couldn't turn away from it. so. No. It was like, like battling with myself. Like, should I keep watching this or should I change it? Yeah. And then the news just kept getting worse. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. But I, when I when I heard the news, I immediately went back to like my childhood, being in my parents. I was playing uh, NBA courtside, mm-hmm. featuring Kobe Bryant um, on N sixty four. Like that was my game for like three hmm. years. Like everybody else was playing NBA live. I'm like, I'm playing NBA courtside, like
1: <laughs> because it had Kobe. You know? Yeah,
2: and. um I never had the jersey because, you know, I'm a kid. I didn't have no money. And every time I wanted to go get his jersey, um, they were sold out. So I got everybody else's jersey except for his. So I still feel
1: like.
0: I have both, the 8
1: and the 24. Oh. Uh, you got the home or away <laughs> jersey?
0: I got, it's both. It's two-sided.
1: Oh, well, well, man. <laughs> you out here. Oh <laughs> nah, man. So I was literally. So. California is, uh, what, three hours behind Eastern Time. And so I legit took a nap because I had already had a long weekend. Um, found out news about somebody that went to school. It had died in a truck accident. Um, went to a funeral Saturday for my aunt who was definitely in her 80s. Um, so I, Sunday, I'm like, I'm taking a nap. Mm-hmm. I need to go take a nap, whatever. And so when I woke up, it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, the first thing you do when you wake up, you go to your phone. And the first thing I see on my social is Kobe Bryant dies. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, mm-hmm. now, as a sports fan, the night before, I was like, dang, like, LeBron just passed him all the time in mm-hmm. NBA scoring. So I'm like, it's a hoax. It's got to be some nonsense right, some right, bullshit. Right, like, right. this has to be what it is. And my wife turns to me. She's like, oh, you talking about Kobe? No, this, this is real. Mm -hmm. and i'm just like what like no 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 that 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 can't be it so as i you know the first thing i'm like well if it's sports related if it ain't hit espn it ain't true right done easy I went to ESPN. Guess what? It wasn't there. I was like, what? Well, see, there it is. Yeah. Ain't nothing happened to Kobe. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Y'all lying. Y'all just crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm telling my wife she's wrong. So this is already a do not do on your do not do list. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, maybe five seconds later, I got the alert. And I was just there? like, you got to be kidding me. Like, mm-hmm. that, what? Wait. And so then everybody start flooding social media with what they think happened and the mm-hmm. fake news is and Rick Fox is on the plane and all this other stuff. I'm like, time to unplug. I already know what's up. So to fast forward, it was definitely a very heavy Sunday. Um I had to go to the gym. I was like, you know what? I I gotta get the hell out of here, like but you go to the gym and on every single television, he's are talking about the exact same thing, no matter you can be watching the Home and Garden Network, and I'm like, dog, like, why is this on the Home and Garden Network? But mm-hmm. that just talks about the reach that Kobe had with the world. Like, he was a basketball icon, but he did so much more than that. Right. And, and
0: yeah. His reach is everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere.
1: So with that, um, I don't want to get this to turn into a, you know, as much as this dude, we we miss you, brother. You We appreciate what you've done for the world. But I want to get on the subject about just one black man just really coming together through all this. Spilling out what's been eating them alive for all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you made a good point about your childhood. So... We grew up in the time where you had Tracy McGrady, Mm -hmm. Allen Iverson, uh, Vince Carter. And obviously, as MJ was leaving, Mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant was entering, playing with Shaq, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think we had another golden age of basketball because of this guy alone. And he made it completely unfair for anybody to Mm -hmm. go to the Stable Center. Unless you were the Clippers, then, you know, you just... Mm -hmm kind of just pay your rent and <laughs> play basketball. <laughs> I can't say that now. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's like a part of your childhood like you mentioned. Like, yeah. that... Definitely. Yeah, like, can you just expound on that? Like, what... <laughs> what's like your favorite childhood memory of watching Kobe when you were younger? Uh, <clears throat>
2: It's, uh... It'll have to be, like, I wasn't as much of a child at this point, but, like... Just like seeing the highlights of him go for eighty one, I was in the ninth grade, mm. and I remember coming to school the next day because everybody, you know, had a person who they liked or whatever. And I was always like, "Kobe is the best player in the league," and they're <laughs> oh, like, "No, like, he was one of them." They're like, "Melo is the purest scorer." Um, Lebron got the the best like athleticism, this this and that. And I was like, pound for pound, Kobe is the best," and then he scored eighty one. Against the Raptors. <laughs> Told you. It was like three days before my birthday. So oh, there it I, was like, oh, I was like Kobe. Birthday I was like, Kobe put up eighty one last night. Just and for nobody me. Nobody said nothing. <laughs> Just for me. He did it for my birthday. So I think that would be like my most uh like favorite memory.
1: You know, and ironically I don't think of that moment first, but that was definitely one for the ages. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: obviously the second all time single mm-hmm. performance in the NBA's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you?
0: Um, I mean, very similar, very similar experiences, you know, like speaking on the highlights. But also remember, he, wasn't he like on all the favorite sitcoms? Like he had, a he had, yeah.
1: um,
0: she was, he was on The Proud Family. Yep. I believe he was on Sister, Sister one time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he would show up, he mm-hmm. would show up on all the favorite things that you'd watch.
1: Right. He was on Moesha too. I remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. looking down at Brandy, like, little
1: person. What up?
0: (laughs) I don't know if he was on Sister, Sister, but I think, like, if I could recall, maybe. Mm. But, I mean, I just remember he was everywhere. He was. You know? Yeah. He was everywhere. He was on your T-shirt. Like, you meant to, like, be so lucky to get a Kobe T-shirt. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. That's it. You know, like, you didn't care if you had a pair of Jordans and a Kobe T-shirt on. Like, you was it. Like, you just, you know, you were cool. That's it. So... Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah,
0: it, that that was just a part of like the cool kid. Like you were a cool kid if you could have anything, especially if you loved basketball. And mm-hmm. I was a tomboy. Mm-hmm. I was a tomboy. I wouldn't
1: have never thought that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was not a girly girl at all.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: no, uh, everything. I was trying to do track. I any t- anything I could go to climb or run up something. That mm-hmm. was me.
1: <laughs> no, nah, so, I can actually believe that. Not that I actually know you, like I can still see trying yeah. to climb something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean he was on in the, the he was on sitcoms. He it just to know that he came from you know from a small beginning, like you, like I know I wasn't a boy, but I just was like, oh my goodness, like Kobe did that. Kobe came uh, came up, and he, you know. It, it, that's possible that's possible for us for yeah. me because he did it mm-hmm. and true. so that's that's what it meant to me and from childhood like that I can remember mm-hmm. you know but again I wasn't so so small but this is like junior high high school Yeah, when it hit mm-hmm. I was yeah like 96 I would say mm-hmm. yeah. I was still like 6th grade mm-hmm.
1: yeah so I think one of my favorite was kind of like sneaking into, well, sneaking to, like, watch NBA basketball after night because <laughs> mm-hmm. the freaking games came on at 1030 at night. I had to be in the bed. So, like, yeah, yeah. that never worked out. Yeah. But I would always turn it on low. Talk about the L.A. games,
0: right? Yeah. You yeah. 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 oh, know, oh, after okay, the Pistons okay. went
1: off because back then, you know, we got prime time. We got a little, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And after the games went off. I would tune in to see the late-night game, and it always happened to be the Lakers. And, yep, yep. you know, it, I was like, listen, I need to at least see the first quarter. And mm-hmm. it would spill into like, falling asleep in the third quarter. <laughs> and um, I remember, in particularly one of my frat brothers, it was a really, like, crappy winter day. And he was like, hey, I got these tickets to the game tonight. I'm not going because I ain't driving in that snow, but do you want to go? I was like, "Well, how much for these tickets?" Like, wait a minute, I'm only in school. He's like, "Don't worry about that. Just if you want them, come get them." So it was in Michigan, in true fashion. It was all snowy <laughs> and crap, but though they played the Lakers, and I was like, "Bet I'm going." <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> and it was weird because it was like a, like a home. It was like a Lakers home game, like. Mm-hmm. Everybody had on Purple and gold. and I was like, Dog, I could swear to God, I'm not at the state. This is obviously not the <laughs> Staples Center, but that's just, and it wasn't just that they just had a Lakers jersey, they had on Kobe jerseys. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> This guy has game. so much reach, man. Like, my God. And of course, we lost that game. Yeah. It was a very close game, I must say, but it wasn't like, the going-to-work Pistons that I played, it was just the team after them. <laughs> so <laughs> that was expected to happen. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, so I think I got a lot of the i miss you Kobe"s out of the way, and mm-hmm. I think we all did, thank God, because I was... <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So, um, but most importantly, one of the really cool things I noticed recently was just the outpour and the just black men being being vocal about how they feel about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, that really struck like a positive nerve because like when we decided we wanted to start this whole podcast journey, that's one of the main things we wanted to get out. Like it's okay saying you're not okay. Mm -hmm. Like it's perfectly fine. So, you know, and, and everybody grieves different. So I think right now it's very appropriate to talk about black men, speaking up and dealing with grief because in our community, we are always told, you know, don't cry, but crying is like one of the most natural things you can do to help relieve the stress. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I felt that it was appropriate to ask you to come through, help us out, get through some of this stuff. um, And talk about the importance of grieving and grieving properly. Um, so first question is, I'm good. I promise I'm good. Uh, when it comes to grieving, what does it mean to like grieve properly? What are some ways you can grieve properly?
0: Okay. Well, if we're talking scholarly, right, there are certain stages of grief that mm-hmm. um, there's a notable um, uh, practitioner, Kugler-Ross. It's, it's a, it, she talks about the different stages of grief, right? So we, uh, in practice, we would say that ideally, someone should technically go through these stages of grief. However, realistically speaking, the stages of grief are, are just different aspects that one person might experience, but it doesn't necessarily fall that way in the average individual. Yes, um, it would be beneficial if it did, but it doesn't always. So the proper way to grieve I would have to say that there is not a truly proper, quote unquote, proper way to grieve. It would be um, individualized. It ha- would have to be individualized. Um, also, the reality is, depending on your cultural backgrounds, your different beliefs in regards to how in tuned or out of tuned you are with any emotional connection, um, you might then grieve differently just as itself.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: properly, the way to grieve, I-, I would have to say that that's not really a thing okay of course now right we would hope that in the grieving process the person who is going through the grief um would still be alive and so that would be the number one goal if you would ask me um what would be a a preferred way to grieve um a grief that doesn't take a life
1: right man that first off there is so much behind that like because you always see in the most dramatic movies and everything, like, take me now, take me now, you know, so-and-so's gone. Mm-hmm. But that really happens. And I'm just like, no, don't take me now. <laughs> like, right, I want right, to live. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but that whole ideation of, like, if they're not here, I don't want to be here either. But <laughs> in some cases, one of the things I read recently was about, you know, the fact that you can die from a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And when people Definitely. pass on, especially like your loved one. Mm-hmm people have a broken heart and sometimes not there too far thereafter, yep. you may see them pass. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I remember for myself when my grandmother passed in 2015, Um, my great-grandfather was there, her dad. And by February of the subsequent year, he passed. And it was just like, you know, he already lost his wife several years before, my great-grandmother. Then he lost his uh, eldest daughter. And it was just like, you know, he legit died from a broken heart. It's not that he didn't have any more children left, but mm-hmm. with her... That's very know, common. That was his baby.
0: Very common. And um, the longer that someone stays with a, another person, let's say spouse, you know, even ch- even child, that relationship, the securely attached relationships the longer that is present, that um, most likely, or not most likely, but it's possible that it could uh, cause that because the heart Um, is something that uh, responds well to this. It's a a molecule called cortisol. So when someone's stressed, right, their body releases this cortisol. And so time after time after time after time, uh, increased release of cortisol will weaken the heart um mm. it's it's almost like a a um like a like a, 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 a sepsis response it's a, a inflamed response that um can cause death mm. so mm. you know prolonged stress and grief from someone dying that your heart really loved um can cause death subsequently right very rapidly after the next, so mm-hmm. it's very common actually. Very it.
1: common, <sighs> Um, so this is in particular to people that experience their loved ones' past. So it's a little different in this case when we talk about, you know, somebody that you aren't. Family, like blood related to maybe they're like a friend close friend maybe um or it can be like a complete like <coughs> stranger if you will in this case you know, we're talking about Kobe Bryant but someone lost a father someone lost a husband um someone lost <clears throat> a son um someone also lost like you know a potential future wife an actual wife their other children because <clears throat> they were eight, seven other people outside of Gigi and Kobe that lost their life that day. And from the human aspect, like, I think it's personally, like, the I swear to God, the first question that I asked Elena, I'm like, am I okay to grieve this? Like, because I don't know Kobe Bryant. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with him. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went to a game. I'm thinking we cool, you know, from a basketball game. Mm-hmm. But, like, is it okay to grieve someone that you don't know? Um, So if I had to ask you that, how how would you respond to that?
0: Definitely. Um, Of course. And um, naturally. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, We would say that everyone, unless everyone lived in a bubble, meaning that, let's say, for example, I'm um, the postman for my city and my city has 10 people, let's just say, Mm -hmm. and I die, even though the person whose mail is not getting delivered, right? I don't know that they don't know me. Would they grieve just by the mail not being delivered perhaps? Right. Mm -hmm. But then what about the mail that was delivered, that had a check that belonged to someone in a whole nother country? Mm -hmm. Could that person grieve as well? And the answer would be yes, regardless of the fact that you don't know the person that passed away. If you had any connection, whether that be um, remote, whether that be second degree connection, whether that be third degree connection, even to the hundredth power connection, Mm -hmm. any connection, then the answer would be naturally there would be some type of grief. And any grief that is felt right is felt individually, therefore it's valid.
1: right Yeah and I think that's important for people to know because at the end of the day like we're all human and if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, you male man, ironically sometimes I think like, damn, my dogs are getting older like what if something happens to them, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay. That's a little crazy. Like, you can't grieve over a pet. But I'm like, no, you you take care of this pet. Like, mm-hmm. you treat them as if they're your child. So if you had a child and something happens to your child, you're going to be, like, emotionally upset. And it's okay to be feel that way. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um,
0: and there's degrees of emotional attachment, right? Yeah. You know, there's definitely a different degree, degrees to that. What? So you know, or someone might even, even let's say, for example, some individuals, their close relative, like their mother or their father, if that attachment is not secure, they might not grieve. Mm -hmm. But a friend who is, has a a more secure attachment might. So there's definitely different, varied degrees of attachment. So again, that's why it's highly individualized and all degrees, again, are valid.
1: Legit. I remember there was a, I think I had texted you, Jarrell. Mm-hmm. Um, your wife recently lost a family member of hers. Yep. And when you said it was a family member, general, I'm like, "Oh my god, bro! Like, you okay? Like, mm-hmm. what happened? Like, my first thing is like, be there for you." Mm-hmm. And you was like, "No, actually it was it's my wife's the other, but you know, I just want to make sure you know, I'm there for her." But one of the other things that you tend to forget about is. You're supporting someone who lost somebody. Right. So if they're emotionally unavailable and you have to be that support for them, mm-hmm. a very tough time, mm-hmm. my initial thought was, like, as a brother to you, I'm like, who's going to be there for this guy? Because he got to go deal with that. and yeah. Whatever the personalities may be at this funeral, because mm-hmm. you know how we act. If it's a funeral or a wedding mm-hmm. or whatever, we lose our damn mind. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for me, that east side come out, and I'm just like, what you want to <laughs> do? Because it is what it is. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, you know, as a husband, it hits different when you have to support your significant other, right? Yeah, it does. Like, so kind of, like, take me through, like, how you had to support Gabby when her she had a loss of her loved one.
2: Yeah, so, um... I'm trying to think back to like how I found out. This was around November, like right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's like right around the holidays when everybody's supposed to come together as a family, right? Right. So <clears throat> I just remember her she she actually texted me and was like, "Yeah, my grandmother passed." And I was like, "Oh man, like her grandmother was like, you know, sick and in the hospital for probably like a little over a year." Mhm. Um so I was just like, are you okay? And I then I asked her, I was like, do you want me? I was like, I can leave work right now. Because I was at work. She wasn't at work. She was just like, no, you can stay at work. Like, I'm okay. And then I was like, are you sure? Like, I kept checking in on her. Yeah. Like, yeah. Every, every five minutes. Because like, when you sure. say okay as a black person, <laughs> you don't really mean that shit. Like, you yeah. don't know what you mean. Yeah. So I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And she was just like, yes. And then I, I called her, FaceTimed her, like, on my lunch break and everything. And. Took another break and, and FaceTimed her like late in the afternoon until I finally got home. And she was she was still calm, you know, she was like, Yeah, I cried earlier, but I'm okay And she was like, I have to be there for like my father because, you know, he's going through it right now. Mm. Um, so I told her, I was like, Yeah, I know you have to be there for him, but I'm here for you too. So don't feel like you you can't, you know. Do what you have to do, like like how you said, it's no proper way to grieve. Like I was trying to like let her know, like I'm here for you. However you want to grieve, however emotions you want to let out, like I'm here. And um, she she was like receptive to it. Um, she never really had like um a real like outburst of like emotion, like in front of me even to this day. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that like valid like coordinates probably coordinates what you said about having like secure connections to people. Um, you greet people differently when you're like secure with them emotionally um but yeah I just remember like from from like my standpoint of being like a husband it was it was difficult to navigate because you're like you're you're telling me you're okay but I'm not gonna accept that right <laughs> That's the answer and because... you want them to
1: give you this like you want to have that moment you want them to be like yeah you know you want to hold them embrace them but like mm-hmm. I can speak to like my why my wife does not? Her way of grieving is different. Mm-hmm. We can start with that because mm-hmm. so her aunt passed recently. It's elder aunt, her mom's older sister, if you will, mm-hmm. and when it comes to funerals in general, like she, we've both experienced like you know death in our family since we've been together, mm-hmm. but for her, she's just like I don't do funerals. That's not my thing. Yeah. I'll go to your viewing. Mm-hmm. I might show up to the funeral for like a few minutes. So this is what happened. Story time. Mm-hmm. So we go <laughs> to her aunt's funeral on Saturday. God rest her soul. Um And so we go to the funeral. We go sit in the back. First, she's trying to sit in the back back, you know, where they put the extra <laughs> overflow chairs, you know, where you're not supposed to because of the fire coats. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we're in the back back. Um, she couldn't sit back there. she was sitting like the one of the back two pews, if you will, and so, and I should have seen this coming because I remember what she did with my father's and my grandmother's funeral. Mm-hmm. She did the exact same thing all three times. She was like, "I gotta go to the bathroom."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So she goes, she grabs her purse, she grabs her coat, mm-hmm. she goes out in the hallway. And never comes back, and so I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, pause, time out. I came here to make sure I supported you mm-hmm. for your aunt's homegoing celebration, and you dipped and left me in the sanctuary. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. I was so <laughs> distraught because I'm like, I don't, I don't know. The, I married into the, I don't know this woman. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't even met her, and I'm sitting here like. <laughs> See, girl, like that was weird yeah. to me, mm-hmm. but that is just how she processes and grieves. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like marriage. to, yeah she, yeah, she doesn't like to remember them at their worst moment, like when they're sick in the hospital or like yeah. you know, in their casket, obviously. But mm-hmm. she likes to keep the memory of them lively and holistic, which I understand. But if I came here to support you, at least let me know you're going in the hallway so I could dip with you. Like, you know, it was, that was just, that's always strange to me. But I know how my significant other processes grief. So for me, that was helpful knowing that we're mm-hmm. having an understanding at least. Mm-hmm. So when she dipped out, I didn't catch on until like near the end of the funeral. And I'm like, <laughs> when they done with the remarks, <laughs> you know, I'm mm-hmm. a dip. Mm-hmm. And then I missed that moment because, yeah, it was definitely interesting because yeah and then (laughs) then i was like all right so maybe this word is going to be something that i can take with me anyway because even though i lose somebody i lost somebody before so i might still need this you know what i'm saying um so he finally stopped talking (laughs) i was like all right i can dip out of here (laughs) but by this time the whole damn service over so i'm like yeah i'm still getting out of here i don't want to see this casket roll i'm straight Yeah, yeah but all that to say Everybody grieves, like you said, you made a very, very valid point. You may not go through all the stages of grief, you may go through select ones, but it's also individualized. You have to understand how you or someone your loved one grieves so you can one, know how to process these things, or two, mm-hmm. support somebody that's going through it. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, I think so. But I think one thing I have to say like, just listen to your stories about how your partners process it brought something to mind that i do want to say that is classic um in african americans and that is prolonged grief Mm. so uh, most again i'm not going to generalize here but Mm -hmm. in in many other cultures um many times the the grief process isn't complicated by tasks i mean like you know i have to uh check on my grandmother I have to cook for so-and-so I uh, arrange the funeral by myself I have to mm-hmm. uh, pick what my my loved one's gonna wear I have to make sure that the kids are okay I have to you know make sure that there's gonna be dinner on the the the, the, um, the funeral day many cultures have other people who do those things and, you know, African-Americans as well could potentially have other people to do that things for them, do those things for them too. But ideally it's not the case. Mm -hmm. Ideally those things are handled very close knit in, in within the small, um, you know, family dynamic and, Mm -hmm. and that dynamic, Again, would extend to the children, extend to the partners, extend to the 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 relationship, like whoever the members of the of the related parties are. So, grief might not be something that they're you're thinking of right away after yeah. the person passes away. Um, and so, it's it's not as soon as the person you've even know to grief or you're even in the grieving mindset. At that time, you're in the this is what has to be done mindset. And, you know, if you're in, this would have to be done, that mindset, you know, your adrenaline's still rushing. It's almost as if it's, it has not really, really happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Until maybe, like a few months down the line. Yeah. Or a year down the line. And, and then you notice at that moment, yes, where it's removed, that is when the grief occurs.
1: Right. And you brought up a very valid point. Um, so, for me, I can speak to a little bit of that. So, when my my first real, real loss was my father. And I remember, so I lost both my father and my grandmother. They were, ironically, like the best of friends. You would have thought they were together, but they weren't. So, whatever. But I remember when my dad passed, I had a very weird relationship with my father. So, mm-hmm. as I navigated that relationship with him, we got to the point of, who is this man? I can't stand this man because he divorced my mom. But why did he divorce my mom? To not understanding his rationale and understanding and respect him as a man. And it was just like, to understand him as a man is to love him as a father. And so, I'm glad that I, won, got that closure before I... Before he, you know, took a turn for the worst part of his sickness. But, like, when I had the conversations with him, like, the real men conversation, like, we put everything on the table. I'm like, well, why did you do this, that, and the third place Splee? You know, we talked about our issues. And at the end of that conversation, we finished sipping some Pepsi, and it was all good. And I didn't talk to him for a while. Yet did I know he was sick then. And so, me going to school and then pledging Alpha and all that stuff like that, I missed a lot of those other somber moments, but I still had a real tangible relationship with my father, probably more than all of my other brothers and, brother and sisters. And so, when he passed, it was very sudden because, long story short, my sister did some bullshit. She shouldn't have did, but... I found out one day he was really, really, really sick. Like, he was basically going to pass. Then the next night, next morning, if you he passed in the hospital. And so I remember crying then. Like, just, at first it was a state of shock. I was like, I need to, I'm at work. I'm leaving. <laughs> Boss, I can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I need to leave now. And I remember calling, trying to call my mom. She didn't answer. I called my aunt. And she had heard about it. And so I'm walking. Now my eyes are watery. I'm trying not to cry because I'm walking through campus, but it's about to happen. <laughs> this, I promise there's a light part to this story. So I get home. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, she's there. And she's like, oh, my God, what's wrong? So like he passed. So I really said mm-hmm. And she, so again, my wife does not know how to really deal with grief like that. She handles it her own way. And so I lays down. She's like, lay down, lay down, just lay down. I start crying again. And she's like, do you want a sandwich? I'm like, do I look like <laughs> I want a sandwich? Yes, maybe a sandwich. And um, (laughs) I ate a very, very soggy sandwich because I had tears all in my mouth, basically. Um. And um, I remember that. And the next time I cried about it, because I had to be strong for everybody else, Mm -hmm. was I didn't even give remarks to this funeral. Like, I just stood there. And when the funeral was over, it hit me again. It just overcame me, you know, just like. My friends literally had to, like, not pick me up because Lord knows they couldn't, but they literally had to, like, (laughs) make sure I got up out of my seat just to walk out of the funeral home. And it was just like, I remember that day as clear as day, and I'm glad I had those crying moments because that really, for me, solidified the fact that I knew who my father was Mm -hmm. and I grieved him properly Mm -hmm. for me. I can't say that works for anybody else. And I definitely, I remember my my frat brothers, they came, they were like, it's not going to hit you at the funeral. I was like, you lying. Like <laughs> It did. He's mm-hmm. like, what's going to happen is you're going to have a moment when everybody goes away, and you're going to deal with it again, and you're just going to take you over. And I was like, I don't think it can happen like that again because Jesus Christ knows nah long and behold probably a smooth month or so later it happened again and i was just like that's what he was talking about so all that to say whether it's a father a mother brother sister a, a spouse if you will um you will you'll you'll grieve them different and one of the things i read was about particularly for widows but you have, like, a smooth year of um that initial grief. Then I think there's two stages after that. You can clear this up if I ever blow this part. But you have, like, the first full year of, like, what they call, like, your first initial grief, whatever. If it's especially a close loved one. And then there's two post periods after that where you, I think it's, like, six-month intervals where you're like, all right, this is the secondary, whatever, and then. You'll have your moments after that, but they, they shouldn't be as intense unless you didn't process it right. So, I did some homework. Well, I had to be ready.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, should, right? Okay. Well, I mean, in psychology or psychiatry, I, I like to not use that word should because, again, should is, is according to who.
1: Yeah. But, they did re- okay. mention averages. So, it's not okay. it was more so averages of the first full year. Then another proposed six months after that, then another six months after that. So it was more so averages that they use.
0: And who who's the data? Who were those individuals collecting the data? This is one thing that I always have to ask.
1: See, my notes is on the phone that's across the room right now. <laughs> While you on FaceTime.
0: It's because many times like we we'll, we we'll look at a subset of data, mm-hmm. and the people who are completing the subset of data aren't the typical uh relatable population. Mm-hmm. Right. So the people who are filling this subset of data are, let's just say, arbitrary. They're 45 year old uh, Caucasian males mm. um, making an immediate income of, let's just say, uh, 45 to 85 thousand dollars. They right. are either single again. So it, it's like, who's who is the individuals like really filling out that survey? And do they look like you or me? Because if not,
1: then... Uh... Yeah, so obviously I'm not Caucasian. <laughs> I'm definitely not 40-something years old. And uh, I am blessed to say that I do not make that much money. So thank God I'm not any of those things, but not really. Well, but thank really. Myself. So, <laughs> But yes. You always have
0: to ask that. But again, it, you're right. Those are average, according to the data that we have, right, right. Available. Um, I just have to say that, that it, it, it's just, we, if that was true, and you'd have to then take a look, let's just say, uh, um, of all people around you. Yeah. And if that didn't apply to at least the average amount of people around you, then most likely those, that subset of data doesn't really apply. Mm.
1: Well, now I gotta go do a survey. Here we go. So (laughs) I gotta do, you're making me do homework, Doc. Come on, man, please.
0: No, just, I just, we always have to think about it in that that way. You're right. Because then, you know, if we don't think about it in that way, then, you know, we're caring for data that doesn't apply to uh, our cultural subset. And Mm -hmm. and I can't ignore that there are other cultural subsets, but it's really time, it's high time that we, you know, make. Or make data that's valid for our cultural subset and right. if we don't or even try to include it, then you know when at what point does it ever change?
2: right,
1: you're absolutely right.
2: one question I have uh I know we're talking about like grieving right now um does the way that like our loved ones or the person we're grieving the way that they like left the earth does that play into how we grieve so
0: definitely okay.
1: Oh yeah, oh,
2: definitely. I was gonna say, like for instance, like we know the, the incident that happened, tragic ap- accident that happened with Kobe. <clears throat> Let's say he left due to natural causes. Would there be like a different outcry rather than the way it's happening right now? Definitely. Okay.
0: Now, um, especially in um, African American uh, families and African American males specifically, the most common uh, forms of death are traumatic in nature. There are African American males that die of natural causes and in their older ages, but the large uh, majority of the deaths in the African American males are traumatic in nature: suicide, homicide, um, violent crime, right, Um, Mm -hmm. drowning, different accident, accidental deaths. Those are the types of deaths that occur in largely in the African American males. Prior to the age, prior to elderly ages. Right. So if that's the case, then you would have to look at how how the person died and then see, let's say, who, who are the individuals grieving? Are they the mothers? Are they the wives? Are they the, the sisters? Are they younger than the person who passed away? Are they older? Mm-hmm. Because then even that is um, a variable that uh, affects e- affects, you know, how the grief is received.
1: Right. And one of the strange things, I'm glad you mentioned that, Jarrell. Um it's two main things that come to my mind when you think about death in African African American community, especially with black males, is the whole notion of you wasn't supposed to make it past twenty five jokes on you still alive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um on average, we're not supposed to make it past twenty one years old because of so much violence in the inner city, other things of that nature. Um, that's where that traumatic stuff comes from, like, you know, so-and-so got, was, got into a dispute, or it was gun violence, or domestic violence, or things of that nature, and whatever, so, you deal so much with that, um, obviously, we can throw, I have so many different thoughts about this whole helicopter thing, cause so many notions came out of it, but I'm not here to speculate, mm-hmm. But even that alone was very, very, it was a lot. Like, it really, mm-hmm. you know, and the, to human nature, because, you know, we're crazy for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. We'll look into the details. We're like, well, what happened? How did, what, what happened to the helicopter? Why did he take a helicopter? Why did he have to take a helicopter? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the regret and everything of that nature comes in. But all that being said and known it's coming to the point now where we need to process these things and process them accordingly. So after you, and again, I'm very, very satisfied with how our fellow black men relied on their ecosystems, social media, long posts, doing what you got to do, get it out there. Um, Besides that, Can you talk about really, like, the next... After that's done, from a professional level, what should happen for that person that's going through that grief? Like, who should they be reaching out to next outside of, like, their cousin and them?
0: Well, okay. Ideally, it would be a a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. But reality, you know, um, we're still at a place in, in time where... And some individuals don't feel comfortable reaching out to a mental health professional. Right. So um, I would say that the, the best person to reach out to is the person that you feel more comfortable speaking to about serious things. Exactly. You know, um, I think that I find, I would say, uh, therapists for African American males are like barbers um yes. you know friends um uncles mm-hmm. uh grandfathers um the guy on the corner that you chop it up with about whatever mm-hmm. um you know even the bar you're you, whoever you're hanging out with at the bar i'm just saying like it's not uh as clear defined as you know I, I say go seek a mental health professional no right. the mental health professional is whoever it is that you know applies to you right? Um, and so again that that can be defined so many different ways mm-hmm. now the, the issue is the degree of support right so if you're going to your barber and your barber is not giving you the support that you need then um, that's an issue or you're going to your grandfather your uncle the guy at the bar and it's not giving you the support that you need then that's an issue then I would say yes then seek a high of care or consult, um, you know, a, a knowledgeable party is what I would say. Right. So if, if, uh, if you, what you need is not being met
1: mm-hmm. at
0: your, let's say it's one degree of support level, then go up till you get to the level that you need, Right. the level of support that you need.
1: And so I'm going yeah. in addition, I, I think what you said is very, very valid. Like, You need to talk to somebody you're already comfortable with. Um, That's why we always stress the importance of ecosystems and about making sure you maintain those and whatever you're putting out into your ecosystem that you're getting back in return, Mm -hmm. making sure that ecosystem is healthy. I will also add to that, and again, this is because this is not a plug, but it's more of a shameless plug. I remember there was an instance where I needed to process a boundary with my mother and you were so clutch when it came to just different advice, things of that nature. Now, granted, I did not reach out to solicit any type of assistance from her when it comes to mental health, but just some of our natural conversations was just like, well, what exactly are you going through with your mom? Let's talk about that. And she literally taught me how to like establish those healthy boundaries. Mm. All that to say, I established a relationship with a person involved in the mental health field. So don't just reach out to a mental health professional, you know, just because something tragic or traumatic happened. I mean, granted, it's a good initiative to do it, but it's also a good initiative to lose weight after you had too much jerk chicken. Shameless plug of (laughs) jerk chicken. Um, It's also like you don't want to just be like, oh, my God, I need to lose weight right now. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. (laughs) What were you doing? What healthy habits did you develop before this happened? Mm -hmm. Let's give a slow transition into this. Like, as a goal check-in, if you will, I found myself over the last week easing into a workout regimen. Like, just going to do cardio, period. Like, Mm -hmm. doing those things naturally anyway because I've already started to do them. Mm -hmm. So, and thankful for that, when I found out the news about Kobe, the first thing I did, I was like, Babe, I can't stay here. I need to go to the gym. Like, I need to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. need to go. need to get on the bike and go, period. Mm-hmm. And I went to the gym, and I got on the treadmill. Not treadmill. I ain't ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. I said little baby steps. <laughs> but I did get on, like, the bike, and I just I went at it. I, I didn't go crazy. I didn't even really bust a sweat like that. But I went to something I was comfortable with, mm-hmm. and that helped me process a lot more. So I would definitely say if you haven't found a mental health professional yet, start looking into them. It is very hard as a black man to find somebody you want to talk to about your issues. Case in point, the person I deem as my mental health coach is like several states away. And I don't actually get like in-person consultations at all. No, because I'm not licensed
0: in your state. See, exactly.
1: (laughs) But at the same time, like, you know, there are other options you can... Well, I'm not going to there are say there are
0: different there are different areas ways to find a African American or even a, a brown
1: yes. um,
0: person <laughs> of,
1: right exactly um,
0: of mental health support. Um, there's therapy therapy for, for Black girls. It's uh, a a listing, and it's not just for Black girls, but it's a listing of um, all different uh, brown women, men, um, therapists. Uh, practitioners, prescribing uh, mental health professionals—that's um, uh, available online. Um, also, one thing that I I like to recommend mm-hmm. is if anyone who has ever like had a desire to question psychology or be interested in psychology, I say let's push our our our, our own family members, our own our own um, children mm-hmm. into the psychiatry. I mean. The way to have more available psychiatrists, uh, therapists, black therapists, brown therapists, are to grow them. Um, If we aren't growing them, then we're not going to have them. That's it. And so, um, you know, to go through a program and look around where there's one other African-American person that tells you the... um, you know, the, the dispersion of, of, of cultural race in regards to a, a particular field, right? Mm-hmm. So grow them. In addition to searching, grow, naturally grow ourselves, educate ourselves, um, our children, our, our loved ones, our, our, our young um, students. Like, hey, what about psychiatry? Mm-hmm. Because the study of the mind is something where we, will, we have power, You know, to master mind
1: is is to master everything. Yeah, that's like one of the strongest muscles you have is actually your brain. And again, like I think I've grown up a little bit, like since I've met you, like just from dealing with my own trauma, developing a podcast, things of that nature. Like a lot of my tips and tricks sometimes come from Rose, Not gonna lie, (laughs) so like. Better quote me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to give you give you your sprinkles while mm. it's doing. You know what I'm saying? Just kidding. But no, like at the end of the day, like I, I do strongly believe that you need to, you know, as you said, find out who works best for you. And at the end of the day, if you get matched with somebody that's just like you know what, this ain't it. It's not to say you need to find a person of color. Maybe you don't, but exactly. I strongly believe, and I don't want to push my beliefs on y'all, but nobody gonna understand a black man like a black woman that's just Mm -hmm. it like period Mm -hmm. but
0: but there are there are like you know i have some colleagues yeah like my asian colleagues my um indian colleagues my um caucasian colleagues and sometimes like i when i hear different pearls from them just from their point of view Mm -hmm. and how they deal with their um african-american um patients i say huh thank you thank you for that viewpoint because you know, maybe it's it's so common to me mm-hmm. that I don't see it as an issue, or even I don't see it as a as a, a problem until it, it's pointed out. I mean, I, I see it as a problem, but I don't see it from their point of view,
2: yeah. right?
0: To the degree of their point of view, until um, until they are able to shed light light on it. And So I I, I do feel like you know all races help. Mm-hmm. problem help to solve the problem of mental health but um sometimes you know especially connecting with individuals the the rapport it's it's necessary to have someone within your cultural preference cool
1: i'm pretty sure that we can do this like another five hours (laughs) (laughs) because every time i talk to you i learn something new and like relevant but um at the end of the day like you know Take your time, deal with these things, process it, do what you got to do. Don't be afraid to, if if you relapse on it, if you will, like, your grief and things of that nature, it's okay to get right back into it, but mm-hmm. just take the step. Do what's best for you mm-hmm. because your mental matters, man. Like, that's just the key shameless plug there, but yeah. it yeah. does. And uh, you can't impact the world if you're not at your best, like, mental capacity. So, with that being noted, stated in black-ass known. And
0: stay alive.
1: And stay alive. Got to. <laughs> that part. Please stay alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard. But at the end of the day, being black is hard. But nobody said it would be easy. And I think we do it pretty damn well. So mm-hmm. with that being known, girl, we love you, man. <laughs> much love. Much Thank love. You.
0: Mental matters. Podcast. Much love. Yes.
1: Yeah, man. It was definitely short notice. But at the climate of the culture, we needed it. Um, with that being said and known, we are wrapped up. Number forty-one. Yep. Again, rest in peace to Kobe, Gigi, whole family. Um, you guys are grieving. We hear, which we love you. All the families affected. All the fans that are affected. Um, our mental matters community. Um, we'll definitely be looking at supporting, sharing different posts that show how to deal with these type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as we go into Black History Month. But with that being said, in order to keep up with those things. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, your Instagrams, your Facebooks, the Twitters. Uh, we we use that still. Yep. <laughs> Subscribe to us on uh, SoundCloud, iHeart, Spotify, all that good stuff. And check out the website at mentalmatterspod.com. So, with that being said, anything before we uh, hit the road, bro? No, I think I'm good. Good? I'm good. Okay. I'm cool. better than when we started. Yeah, I was holding that in. (laughs) It took a minute, but Mm -hmm. uh, I love both of you individually as a collective. We got to do this together, so, yeah. We out.